My name's Brian. Like Trin said, I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. And I uh, just want to point out the glaringly obvious, okay? I know I'm not quite as good looking as Pastor Troy. I know it. But I really hope that we can all look past my physical defect of actually having hair and get a great word from the Lord today. Oh, my goodness. I, I only say that because I know Pastor Troy's listening. Um, uh, and I also want to let you guys in on a little secret. For all of you guys who have been coming to New Life for two years or more, you might recognize this message. Um, Pastor Troy got suddenly sick on Thursday, and uh, he was like, you're it. So we all know he's scraping the bottom of the barrel bringing me up here. Um, but so he's just said, why don't you just rework an old message and uh, make it happen because we had a short amount of time. And so that's what I did. So if you remember this message, which if you're anything like me, you're like, I don't remember any messages really, except for the Triggered series. That was awesome. I remember that one really, really well. But uh, if you remember this one, just act like you don't. And uh, and also, I require a lot of talking back to me, amens, and stuff like that. If I feel like I'm not getting enough of that, I'm just going to leave halfway through the message. We're not even going to start any music. You guys are just going to awkwardly sit there and be like, can we leave or not? I don't. So just make sure you, you talk up, make me feel like I'm not alone in the room this morning. Okay. So, if you brought your Bible, or if you have your phone with the Bible on it, go ahead and pull that out and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Now, it's the first book in the entire Bible, so basically you pop open the Bible, and boom, there it is. It's super easy to find. Genesis chapter 1. And as you're turning there, uh, just so we can connect and you guys know who this weird guy is that's talking to you guys, I want to give you guys a little... A little info about myself. Now, when I was younger, and I think we have a picture of it, yeah. See, you guys are the good people. You're the first gathering, the Oz to it. Everyone, they laughed last gathering. I didn't know how to take that, but that's that's me when I was younger. Me and Trent were actually talking about it. I actually look, uh, have, we have a son named uh, Jadwin, and I look a lot like him in the picture. We didn't even realize that. It's crazy. But he looks like, yeah, I think that's actually how genetics work. <laughs> um, but when I was younger, me and my best friend Taylor, uh, we we had weekly lemonade stands. Did anyone do weekly, like, lemonade stands as a kid? Anyone out there? Yeah, you guys know. You guys know. Now, every week, we would drag out this old, beat-up desk, and it was only old and beat-up because I was a kid, and I beat it up. And so my mom's like, if you're going to use any desk, it's the desk you ruined. And so we pulled out this old beat up desk. We'd cut out a huge piece of cardboard, uh, put our price on it, have it as a sign, and we'd fill up a pitcher of Kool-Aid, and we'd fill up a pitcher of lemonade. So we had a little bit of options for people so they could get something different. Now, I want to say this. We weren't those lame kids down the street who sold their cheap lemonade for 25 cents. We had the primo stuff, you know, the the 50 cent blend. We were basically the Starbucks of the children's lemonade stand world is what we were. Uh, we thought we were awesome. You know, we were total businessmen, except there was there was one problem. OK, just just one problem, though. We uh, we made no money. So, and uh, if you, any of you guys are in business, you know that that is not a good business plan. And so we, over the next year until the next summer, we, we got smart. We started coming up with awesome new ideas for our lemonade stand that we were going to open up. Things like homemade lemonade, which was made of, you know, fresh tap water and, um, you know, fresh lemons that had probably been sitting in my mom's fridge for a couple weeks. So they weren't fresh, but we called them fresh because we squeezed them fresh. And, um, uh, and you know, we, we would say we included sugar, but it really it was Splenda packets. And so, uh, you know, we would just mix everything in until we felt like it tasted right, and that was homemade lemonade. Uh, we also uh, decided to sell candy bars, things like Airheads and stuff like that, just so we had a, 
a mix-up of things so that people could uh, buy whatever they wanted. We even uh, got walkie-talkies, so one of us would go a couple block- blocks up and be like, Breaker, Breaker, Niner, we got a car coming up, we got it. And looking back, I don't know actually how that helped us out, because we would have seen the car, but... but uh, you know, I'm actually surprised neither of us died because we were, like, right next to the road, cars coming by, and uh, we just tried to make them stop. But, you know, we're both alive today, so congratulations us. Um, but at a really young age, you know, we just we started seeing the potential in the business we had until, until the day that uh, we decided to uh, dissolve our lemonade stand and, and stop that business. It was a sad day. We decided to break into a more, uh, what we didn't know was a more lucrative market at that point, which was the lawn maintenance market. So we started uh, mowing people's yards, and we actually did pretty good at it. We, we mowed uh, uh, up to 20 yards a week, and people were nice enough that they paid us 20 bucks every time that we mowed their yards. So as middle schoolers and elementary school kids, we were making $400 a week in the summer, uh, which was good. And then our parents got smart and started charging us for gas, and we started making less money and um but we thought it was awesome uh we saw the potential in our business and and we pursued it we we called our company and you'll have to forgive me it's not exactly the most christian name of country but it was dirty deeds done dirt cheap like the acdc song um and so that's what we call ourselves it was it was awesome um but we we just saw this potential and we pursued it and i think god is kind of like that god is kind of like the ultimate lemonade stand businessman because he can see the potential in everything and he can see the potential in everyone and i think that That is where we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 1. Let's go ahead and read that. Oh, you guys were like, what? Genesis chapter 1 is about the beginning of time. The lights are turning down. My mind is starting to get blown. This is crazy effects going on right now. Genesis chapter 1, let's start in verse 2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What an awesome beginning right there. I mean, just that one part just jumps out at me. It's just such a well-written part of the sentence. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Like, that's, that's pretty cool right there. Just think about it. Everything was dark. There was no sun. The earth had no form yet. It was just a glob of water floating in pure nothingness. And even though that was the scenery that God had been living in forever up until that point, he knew that there was more. He knew that there was potential for life. Whoa, that was crazy. Um, so I want you to hear this. Even when there was nothing to work with, God made it happen. And I want you to truly hear that. Even when there was nothing to work with, God made it happen. Maybe you feel like God has nothing to work with when it comes to you. Like, uh, like you're not good enough, or you, you're too far gone, you've made too many mistakes, you're not where you want to be in life. I want you to hear this. Even when there was nothing to work with, God made it happen. Why? Because Jesus unlocks the potential in everything. And I believe Jesus unlocks your potential. Amen. Now, has anyone seen the movie Jaws? Anyone in here? Anyone see it when it first came out, like you were there at the theaters? It was scary, right? You're like, this is terrifying. And then you go and rewatch it in modern day, and you're like, how was I ever scared at this? That is obviously a mechanical shark right there. Um, but back then, it was, you know, it was super realistic. And you're like, I am never going to the beach or to the ocean again. I'm never touching water. I know water is necessary to live, but 
I guess I'm going to go without it, right? Because Jaws was terrifying. Well, in the real world, some marine biologists did an experiment on that huge monster that wreaked so much havoc in the lives of the people in those movies. Now, that huge ferocious beast was, of course, a great white shark. And in the movie, Jaws was over 5,000 pounds and was over 30 feet long. Now, thank God that is only in the movies, though, right? Wrong. You are wrong, yeah. In their natural habitat, like right here in the real world, great whites have the potential of reaching 5,000 pounds and 20 to 30 feet in length. Now, that is the biggest one they've ever seen, so don't go thinking like that's how all of them are, um, but they are they're huge. Now, let's not take the big 30-foot one. Let's just take the small one, all right? Just the little 20-foot guy, all right? Just the 20-foot guy. Just so you guys know, these ceiling tiles up here, these are two feet, and so if you take... This ceiling tile, imagine that the front of the shark is here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The tail of the shark would be all the way down here. That is how long this thing is. All right? I just want you get, to get a picture of how giant this, this beast is. It's crazy. Now, this 20-foot shark, if you were to, I mean, it's 20 feet long, but it's also six feet tall. So even if you're swimming upright next to this thing, it's still towering over you. This, this beast is incredible, but even more terrifying. If you met this thing face to face, which I pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, none of us have to ever face a great white shark face to face, because if that happened, I'd just be like, Lord, take me now. This this isn't happening, because I don't, I don't buy those theories that you can punch that shark in the nose and it's going to flee. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think you're going to punch that shark. It's going to get mad. It's going to circle back around from the behind you and swallow you. That's just my theory, all right? And I think it's more accurate. But if you met this thing face to face, its jaw would be eight feet wide. That means it could literally swallow you whole. That is how I am with Wendy's, all right? I swallow that thing, that burger, that, yeah, you guys, some of you guys laughing, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, my goodness. Now, these marine biologists who did, uh, did some of these experiments found something interesting during their experiment, and it was kind of mind-blowing. It blew my mind. I hope it does to you. They discovered that even though a great white shark has the God-given capacity to grow up to 30 feet in length and weigh up to 5,000 pounds, that if that same shark as a baby was confined to a small aquarium instead of the ocean, it would only reach 12 to 15 inches in length and only weigh 15 to 20 pounds. I can deal with that, right? I can deal with that. They discovered that even though it would have uh, reached its full chronological maturity, a.k.a. full age, it would still be sh well short of reaching its full potential otherwise. You're like, wow, Brian, that'll preach. I have no idea what you're getting at, but it's, yeah, I'm excited, right? Now, as, as humans, I think it's almost second nature for us to make mistakes, right? How many of you guys, like, you don't even have to think about it, and you start making mistakes in your life. That's just how I am, right? And, you, you know, you might think that you're all that in a bag of chips, but at some point, we all fail on our own. Um, it was probably those times of failure that caused you to limit your potential, and that caused you to think of failure in yourself before you ever thought of success in yourself. And I think it's vital that if we want to move forward, which hopefully because you're at church this morning, you, you've decided you want to get healthier spiritually, you want to grow closer to God, I hope that's why you're here this morning, it's vital that if we want to move forward, we heal ourselves of our poor self-image. Because you see, no matter where we are in life, there's always a next step. 
uh, whether it's from conception to life or life to starting school, starting school to transitioning to high school, high school to college, college to career, career to marriage, marriage to having children, having children to getting rid of those same children, um, have, getting rid of those children, becoming grandparents, becoming grandparents to retirement. No matter what step you're on, we always ask ourselves the same question. If you're taking notes, I hope you write it down. It's, how can I just make it to the next step? How can I just make it to the next step? I think as a society, we've taught ourselves to be content if we just make it to the next step. If I can just get past high school, I'll be happy. Uh, if I can just find myself in college, you know what, here's the deal. If you can just go to one of those classes that you're paying for, you'll be happy, right? I'm just preaching to myself here. Um, if I can just get married, I'll be happy. If I can just have a couple kids, I'll be happy. If those kids would just leave, I'll be happy. If I can make it to retirement, I'll be happy. We become okay with living a mediocre life if we can just make it to the next step. But is that how God truly wants us to live? Should we be okay with a mediocre future? That's not how I read my Bible. My Bible says in John 10, 10, it says that I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God wants us to live life to our fullest potential. Now, there are countless people in the Bible who in the beginning of their stories, we wouldn't have ever considered them for the calling that they were about to have. But God enabled them to live up to their God-given potential. And I want to see really quickly, I'm going to list these people, and I want to see if you can identify. You don't have to call out out loud or anything, but let's see if you can identify with any of these Bible characters. Noah was drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. I never saw her. That wasn't my judgment call. The Bible just says it, okay? That's, I'm just the messenger. Um, if you're Leah, I'm... So sorry. Uh, <laughs> Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked, and I hope that never comes back. <laughs> Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied even knowing Christ. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman had multiple failed marriages. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. Listen, if God saw potential in them, and if God saw potential in the universe when it was literally nothing, then God sees potential in you. Yeah. Now, you have God-given potential in this life no matter what you've done, where you came from, the color of your skin, the economic background you came from, the abuse you endured as, endured as a child, the bitterness and rage that's inside of you, the doubts that you have. God has placed tremendous potential inside each and every one of us. Amen? So instead of being like everyone else and asking yourself, how can I just make it? to the next step. If I can just stumble into the next step and be, still be alive, I'll be good. How can we stop that and start asking the most important question that you can ask yourself in any stage of life? And that's this. Am I living up to my God-given potential? That's a difficult question to ask yourself because if you're not, it's hard to live with. Am I living up to my God-given potential? 
Remember the marine biologist earlier, the guys who were kind of messed up in the head because they did weird experiments? Like, I want to know the guy who thought that one up. Like, you know what? If we take one of these massive beasts and put him in a small tank, I don't know where that comes from, that thought. But they came back, and they did another experiment, and uh, they conducted a second experiment. This time it was on a pike. Do you guys know what a pike is? A pike, I'll show you a picture. This is a pike right here. It's a weird fish. I know you can't see it well. On an entirely separate note, that is also me again. I just like putting myself on. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, but I, I caught that bad boy myself off of the, the dock of our family cabin, and I was super excited. I was all by myself, so I didn't have anyone to share it with. And now that I look back, I wonder, where were my parents? I was next to this large body of water, no one to be seen. And I'm reeling in this six-pound massive pike. Um, but pike, just so you guys know, they can be about four and a half feet long is the biggest they get, and they can weigh up to 50 pounds. So really, all things considered, this is one of the smaller ones out there, but I felt really good about it. Um, and and, uh, you know, so they, they did this experiment on not this pike. I, I wasn't the marine biologist. I'm, I, I'm not messed up in the head like these guys, all right? Um, but whenever it was feeding time, the marine biologist would dump a large bucket of minnows into the tank where the pike was. And just so you guys know, minnows are parks, uh, pike's favorite meal. Uh, so the pike would swim rapidly around the tank, gobbling every minnow in sight. And in a very short amount of time, the pike devoured every minnow in the tank. Now, I can connect with the pike on that level, right? That is how I am with Wendy's. Placed in front of me, two seconds later, it's gone. I'm ready for my next meal, right? Just me. Okay, just me. No one else eats like that. Okay, moving on, moving on. Here's the experiment they did to the pike. Now, at the feeding time, the next time, they decided to lower a glass cylinder into the tank so that the pike would be inside of the cylinder. Because the, uh, the cylinder was made of clear glass, the pike couldn't tell that there was any change in his environment. And so after that, after it was set, they poured another large bucket of minnows into the tank. Now, immediately, the pike began to scurry and scramble aggressively trying to devour his dinner. But we all know, unfortunately, because of the cylinder, his hunger was going to go unfulfilled. So with every lunge, every attack, the pike would continually bump his nose into the glass wall of the cylinder. And surprisingly, after a very short amount of time, the pike stopped lunging. The pike stopped trying to attack the minnows. The pike just swam there motionless except for the movement of his fins to keep him afloat. And once the marine biologist saw this, they removed the glass cylinder. Now, the minnows were still there, and they started swimming around this pike right in front of him, right there. He could have started his dinner at any moment, but he didn't. He just swam there. The pike had given up to the point where he literally starved to death. Isn't that crazy? I think some of you guys have tried and tried and tried to give up the things that are holding you back. You know, I, will, I promise I will never visit those websites again. I promise I won't abuse those substances again. I promise I won't fail my kids again. I promise I won't let my spouse down again. I'm preaching to myself here too, guys. You've tried to stop so many times, made so many false promises, and failed so many times that you have just given up. You've lost sight of who you really are, and more importantly, you've lost sight of who you really could be. And I think Jesus wants to reignite your passion this morning. I think he wants you to be excited about what's next in your life. What better time to hear that than the beginning of a new year, right? I think healing whatever your hang-up is, because we all have different hang-ups, right? We're all at different stages, and we've got different things we're dealing with. But healing whatever your hang-up is might not come instantly. I just want you guys to know that. Be prepared for that. You can pray for it this morning, but it might not come this morning. 
arriving at whatever goal God has for you, it might not even come soon. Abraham had to wait over a hundred years for his call to be fulfilled in his life. It might take some time for the same for you. But I do know what the Bible says in Philippians 3.12. It says this, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. We don't know what our potential is. We don't know what our future holds, but we do know the one that does. And as long as we keep taking steps forward toward our potential, God will keep showing us the next steps that we're supposed to take. I think the future holds greater things for you and for your family than you can even think of right now. Trust me, I would know. My story, I would know. Now, most of you guys know this. Some of you might know that, not know this, but I'm not originally from California. That's like a big shock. You're like, wow, that extremely tan man up there isn't from somewhere in the south? That is correct, guys. Um, I, was, I was born and raised in a big but empty state called Montana. That's where I'm from. Now, if you've ever seen the FarmersOnly.com commercials, anyone out there? If you've seen those commercials, you've seen Montana, all right? We're the state, we're the, we're the state that keeps that business afloat right there, FarmersOnly.com. Now, if you had told me eight years ago where I would be today, I would have laughed at you. I would never have believed you. Wouldn't have. Because eight years ago, I had recently finished my first year of Bible college, uh, which is where I met Pastor Trinity. Yeah, yeah. But because I was honestly, at that point, I was too lazy at that point in my life. I didn't pursue uh, scholarships. I didn't pursue financial assistance. And I didn't have enough money to go back for a second year of Bible college. And so uh, my parents paid for a really expensive first year of Bible college where I didn't get a degree or anything. But did get a wife. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I didn't get to go back for a second year of Bible college, so I moved back home with my parents. So I was living at home, and I was working at Target as a cart attendant and a bathroom cleaner. And just because I see we have time, I'm going to let you guys, because I don't want just this story to be in my head. I want to let you know, people at Target can be messed up. Anyone work at Target, you know exactly what I'm talking about. People at Target can be messed up. Like, Walmart gets a bad rap for the people that shop there, but Target has a bunch of weirdos that go there, too. And I would know, because I clean the bathroom after them. I'm just saying, I have seen things that I cannot unsee. And um, I'm just, one time, this has nothing to do with the message. I just want to see, this is where my brain goes. Uh, One time, something that I would ordinarily have to clean up in the bathroom had someone not flushed or blocked the toilet, I had to clean up in the checkout lanes. We're not talking about the liquid stuff, all right? And there ain't no way this came from a baby because that baby would have had to void its entire body weight plus some to get this on. I'm just saying, things can get messed up at Target. So that's that's where I was at life eight years ago, living at home, working at Target, cleaning up people's, oh, in the checkout lanes. And uh, I volunteer, volunteered at church all the time. That was, that was my life at that point. And back then I would have said I had a super fun and fulfilling life. But at that point, I really had no clue where my life was headed. Um, I knew I was called into ministry at that point, but I had no avenue to accomplish the call. Um, Nor was I really actively pursuing what I knew God wanted me to do. Then, one day out of the blue, my then girlfriend, Trinity, was uh, called me and was telling me about a church plant that her family was going to start in California. And apparently, 
Apparently, I had fooled her enough into thinking I was qualified enough to start a youth ministry from the ground up after one year of Bible college that uh, she had convinced her dad, Pastor Troy, to hire me on as their youth director. So he called me and he offered me the position. Now, obviously, from what I've told you, I wasn't doing much with my life at that point. So I began praying to God, asking if he really wanted me to move away from the place that I had lived for 20 years since I was born. It was the only place I knew away from all of the family that I had and moved to some town I had never heard of in California. And uh, sure enough, he said yes. And so I packed up everything I owned, which wasn't a lot, into my uh, tiny Toyota pickup truck, which was old enough that um, it wasn't a branded thing. Like it wasn't a Toyota Tundra. It wasn't a Toyota Tacoma. It was just a Toyota pickup. You know how all cars have the little thing on the back that tells you what it is? Mine just said Toyota and it was a pickup. So it was a Toyota pickup. Uh, I love that truck, but uh, I packed everything I had into it and I drove 21 straight hours by myself and found myself in a strange place that I had never been before called Lathrop, California. And uh, that was eight years ago and now here we are today. And I don't say that as like a humble brag because it wasn't me. I'm just saying God does tremendously amazing things that you could never see happening. So if you had asked me eight years ago where I would be today, I would have had no idea. I never thought I'd be helping with an amazing church plant. Uh, I never thought I would be able to build up a great youth ministry from the ground up and then pass it off to people who are way more qualified than I ever was to start a youth ministry, Kyler and David. They shake their heads no, but it's true. And now to be put in charge of making sure all our current and future campuses are are up and running well, I never would have thought that's where I'd be. But that's where we are. You never know where your life is going to go in the next few years. But I do know this. Your life has God-given potential, and you're called to live up to it. So to end this morning, I want to give you a list of three A's. I like starting things with the same letter because it's easy to memorize. And just think of like AAA, like the insurance company, all right? Just remember these. Three A's that need to come to fruition in your life in order for you to live up to your potential. All three of these have to happen. If they don't happen, you're not going to live up to your potential. So if you're taking notes, you'll want to write these down, all right? So in order to reach your potential and be all you can be, first you have to be awakened. You have to be awakened. Let me explain. You have to be awakened to your identity, who you are. Um, There's a story in the Bible about uh, the prodigal son. It was a story that Jesus told. It's about this this son who um, very much did not respect his father. Um, he, He wanted his inheritance, but as we all know, inheritance usually doesn't come until after your father, your mother has passed away. And so the fact that this son asked his dad for his part of the inheritance before his dad passed away basically was just his son telling him, I, I don't even care if you're alive. Some of you guys might even understand that relationship between a father and a son. So that's where this guy was. His, his dad gave him this inheritance and he went out, he had a good time, but he squandered it all, lost it all in a wild life. And... Uh, He was broke, he was busted, he was disgusting. He was living, literally living and eating with pigs. Um, He he was so hungry that he wanted to just eat the food, the sloth that the pigs were eating. That's a desperate place to be. So that's where he was, and the Bible says, he came to himself. And the son said, my father has people that work for him that have more than enough, so what am I doing in a pig pen? 
I'm going to go to my father and ask for forgiveness and ask him to make me a servant. So it says, he came to himself. In other words, he had a moment of awakening. And after that, the story had a complete 180 for this guy. So New Life, if you know who you are, which is a child of the Most High God, then you should know that your potential is Most High. So first, you have to be awakened. But second, you have to become aware. You have to be aware of the possibilities for your life. Now, the shark was limited because it conformed to his confinement in the tank. Some of you think that you can't do this, you can't do that because you're too little, too big, too short, too tall, too dark, too light, not strong enough, not smart enough, not good enough, or simply because you don't think you deserve it. And it's not about you. It's not about your qualifications for the calling that God has on your life. I want you to remember that the Bible says in Philippians 4.13, for I can do everything through myself who gives me strength. That's not what it says. It says the Bible, the Bible says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. It's not about you and pushing through and doing what you can. It's allowing Christ to take hold of your life and allowing him to do what only he can. Now, others might think that because of your status in life, your situation at home or your surroundings, that there's nothing you can even do about it. That this is the life, these, this is the deck that, that the cards that you've been dealt in life, and you just kind of got to deal with it. There's nothing you can do to change it. And so even, even though you have the God-given potential to be whatever you want to be, you choose to conform to the confinement of your mind. Just like the tank for the shark. To break that confinement, you need to allow Jesus to renew the way you think. There's a simple saying that I think is super powerful. If you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. Chances are, if you're here in church this morning, you feel like there's something that can improve in your life, something that needs to change in your life. I want to encourage you that if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. We need to allow Jesus to renew the way that we think. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You will learn to know God's will for you, a.k.a. you will become aware of what God wants from you. It's through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that you have the power to break through the limitations imposed upon you by yourself and to reach your fullest potential. So you have to be awakened. You have to be aware. But then the final one, you have to be alive. You have to be alive to your responsibilities because we all have responsibilities in here. That's why you're here this morning because you have a responsibility to yourself. You have responsibilities to your parents, to your friends, to your brothers and sisters, responsibilities to your community, to society. But most importantly, you have responsibilities to Jesus Christ. I want you guys to consider the pike we talked about earlier. It had a responsibility to nourish his body, but out of frustration, it died from hopelessness. It became a prisoner of poor perception because the pike literally beat his head against the wall doing everything it knew how to to solve his problem of hunger. And after it tried everything it knew how to, it gave up hope. Its perception of what is real 
had been lost. And when the opportunity to fulfill its need came, the pike didn't even realize it. Now, it's not in the message, but I said this last gathering, and I think it's important to say at this gathering. Um, I've, I've been a pastor for eight years now, and I've heard this all the time. When we have people at New Life, or really any church, but New Life in my experience, that want to leave the church because of something or other, this statement pretty much always gets said. I just don't feel like I'm getting fed. I just feel like I'm not getting fed. And if you said that before, this is not an indictment on you, but I want to correct something this morning. It is not our responsibility to feed you every week, spoonful by spoonful. It's your responsibility to yourself to feed yourself. So if you feel spiritually starving, I would suggest it's a good thing that you came to church this morning. Don't get me wrong, but there ain't no way I can feed you. Not with how fast I eat. <laughs> I'm eating your food, food too, people. You got to start reading your Bible. You got to start feeding yourself. You got to start praying. A lot of people don't like praying because it freaks them out. They don't know what to do. Let me tell you, if you've ever talked to someone before, that's how you pray. You just talk to God. That's all you do. It's your responsibility to nourish yourself because we all have responsibilities to ourselves. So this morning, I want to find healing and breakthrough for you. That's not something that I can do for you, though. I can pray for it for you, and I have been. But it's something that we need to pursue ourselves. So this morning, don't let the opportunity for godly potential in your life to just swim on by. It's time to give your life to Jesus and to experience all that he has for your life. And I'm not sure what limitations you came in here with this morning in your head, but I know that God has the power to break those limitations and to propel you into a future of health and purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. So here's the, here's the deal. We wanna be a healthy church, right? We don't wanna be dysfunctional in any way. We wanna be healthy. And that starts, I'm not talking like physically healthy, although that's, that's good too. But it, for a church to be healthy, its people have to be healthy. So this morning, we're gonna pursue health together. And the first thing that you have to do to get healthy is you have to confess what is unhealthy in your life. We all have sin. We all do. Whether we wanna point it out or not, we have done things that are wrong things that separate us from Christ. And this morning, I want to take some time. We're not going to make you come up here and do it publicly in front of everyone. You're not going to have to say anything out loud. But I want you to start thinking of what you need to confess this morning to bring out into the light. And uh, if you're anything like me, you do the thing that I always did. I'm like, God, would you take this stuff and would you heal this stuff? And you never call out the specifics because it, it might be too painful to. But this morning, we're going to push in. We're going to press on. And we're going to push through these specific things that are holding you back. I know what they were in my life. I know what, I know what they are in my life. And you need to call it out this morning. So we're going to spend some time in prayer. The piano is going to be playing, but that's the only sound that's going to be in the room. So it might feel a little bit awkward not having me just talk here to you guys. 
but we're going to take some time to pray and to confess to God the things that, that we have messed up in. And I want you to not be general with your prayer. I want you to call out specific sins that you know you've done and ask God for forgiveness because the Bible says he will be faithful to you and he will forgive you if you just confess. And so health, true health in your life starts with confession. So can we just start there this morning? So we're gonna turn the, the house lights down, not because it's more spiritual when it's dark in here, because it's less distracting, you can't see as much. I'm just gonna ask you guys to just close your eyes. Again, not because it's super spiritual, but because I get distracted when I'm looking around. I want this to be an extremely personal time between you and Jesus. I want you to begin thinking of the things that you know you need to confess to God. Now, hear me out. He already knows. He already knows. So this confession is more about you being honest with yourself. So don't, don't hurt yourself by lying to yourself about what you're dealing with. So we're just going to spend a couple minutes of confession. And don't stop when you think you're you've said enough. I want you to press through and keep praying for breakthrough in your life and keep confessing the sin that is taking you down the wrong path. Can we do that? Okay, as the piano gets a little bit louder, let's go ahead and just pray. You don't have to pray out loud. You can just pray in your head because God can hear you there. But I want you to start truly confessing what you need to confess to God. just the first step towards healing. God has done his part of forgiving you, but now it's our job to pursue healing in our life. And that takes a few different shapes and forms, and it varies for whatever the sins are that you need conquering. But we have some tremendous um, ministries here at, at the church that can help you. First off, the best thing that you can do is find someone who is able to call you out on your stuff. Not someone who's timid and who you can kind of 
push down through conversation so that they don't bring it up, but someone who can stand up to you, someone who can tell you how it really is and what you really need to do, someone who can hold you accountable. And boy, do I have good news for you. We are in a room full of people who will do that for you. We have a church of people who care about one another, who truly care about where we are in life and how we're doing in life. And so you don't have to look far to see someone who will help you. That's what this church is all about, is finding health. So that's one avenue that you can take to to pursue healing after you've confessed your sin. But another really great thing um, that we have at our church is our counseling center. And um, I think there's some stigmas in our culture about counseling, that if you go to counseling that you're somehow really messed up. And that might be true, but if you're really messed up, you really need counseling. And I'm not just saying that, telling you that, I do that. Me and Trin do counseling every other week with a counselor, not because we necessarily have issues right now, but because we don't want to have issues. Counseling has changed our life, being able to go deep into the things that we, we, I didn't even know things were there. There are things from your family of origin, from your childhood, but you have no idea it's there in your mind. It's hurting you still but it's there. I found some stuff that I didn't have any idea was there. It's only when I found it out and I decided to pursue it and and find healing that I really did find healing. There is stuff in your life that you need to go into and it can be tremendously painful to do counseling because it pushes you to go deep. It pushes you to think about the things that you don't want to think about because you got to deal with your issues. They say time heals all wounds, but that is not true. It will fester in there until the day that you die. It will be an issue until the day that you die, until you figure it out and get some help. So we have a counseling center through Pastor Keeley, and I would just suggest that you go on our website or talk to her and request an appointment. Try it out. It's gonna be good for you, but I just wanna let you know in advance, it it can hurt because it can be painful stuff from your childhood. Our healing is up to us, not by our power, right? We're not healing ourselves, but we're pursuing the healing. So God has provided avenues for us to get healed, but we have to be the ones to choose to pursue it. Remember, you have responsibility to yourself to find healing. Uh, Because I just want to share another thing. If, If you don't find healing and you have kids the same issues you're dealing with that you choose not to deal with are going to be passed down to your children. That's how it worked in my family. Um, I would say this to my dad because my dad has confessed it too, but he had issues that passed down to me that doesn't even make logical sense that something like that would pass down from generation to generation, but that's how it works. you got to start dealing with your stuff so that we can have a healthy church, so that we can minister to people and change people's lives. That's what we're called to do. And I also think we have this, this false notion in not our American culture, but in our Christian culture that says that unless you work at a church, you're not really doing ministry, that it's a secular job. That couldn't be further from the truth. You are called to minister wherever you work. So if, you, if you've worked at a place for years and the person you sit next to every single day has no idea that you even go to church, it might be about time that you try to do something about that. 
I'm not saying you have to prepare, prepare some mini sermon and be like, all right, sit down. I'm going to talk to you for about 20 minutes, and then we are having an altar call, baby. That's not how life works, right? People will see your actions before they hear your words. And so let your life be a reflection of your Savior. Let, that, let them see Jesus in you before they hear Jesus from you. That's what we're called to do. But we got to find healing. So we've taken the first step. Hopefully you've taken the first step today and confessed your sin and been forgiven of it because that's powerful stuff. But now it's your job to pursue some healing. Read your Bible every day. I know it sounds super cliche, but then why don't we do it? <laughs> you know, we got to do it. We got to read our Bibles. Um, and if honestly, if you don't know where to start, read Mark because we're about to do an awesome message series called Savage Savior that's all on the book of Mark so better to read it in advance than find out about it as, you're, as we're going through it on Sundays but let's pursue some healing so what I want to do to end today uh, we, we sang a new song that none of us have sang before I want to sing that song again because I feel like the words are super super powerful so I don't care if you want to sit down stay sitting down I don't care if you want to stand if you want to raise your hands if you want to kneel down and sing you do what you think you need to do but can we sing this song together just, um, you might not believe it in your heart, but we're going to keep singing it and you're going to keep declaring it over your life because this is powerful words, guys. You guys ready? Okay, Anthony, let's sing this. Give me faith to trust what you say that you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside, I give you my life. up from them, but you do have to continue to heal yourself from them. 
So whatever that looks like for you, whether it's someone who can hold you accountable, whether it's counseling, whether it's just talking to one of the pastors here, talking to someone in here, do it. Don't let this opportunity to pursue your God-given potential just swim by you today and you just float there. Like that pike, you get ferocious. You attack it and you devour it. You see your potential like Wendy's, baby. You go after that thing, all right? Can I pray for you guys? God, I thank you for every single one of these people in this room. I don't know what they need healing from, but you do. You know how to heal them. So God, would you give them the strength to pursue what they need to pursue? God, would you give them the wherewithal to stick to it, God? Like the Bible says, not that I have already reached perfection, but I press on. Help us to continue to press on towards health and healing. God, would you help this church grow? Not just in numbers, God, but would you help every one of these people in this room grow towards you, God? But also, would you help us expand our outreach, God? Continue to grow uh, the church here at our Lathrop campus. Continue to grow the church at the South Stockton campus. God, would you even now start preparing people to help with all of our future campuses too, God? God, would you start creating health in this church so that we can have a healthy church and so that we can start promoting health to the people outside of the church so that they can find health, God? God, would you bring a Jesus revolution to our country in only a way that you can? We thank you that we don't see ourselves as worthy, but you deem us worthy of your calling. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. All right. I know I don't look like Pastor Troy, but I'm going to try my best to channel my inner Pastor Troy. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he lift his countenance upon you. May he give you rest, and may he give you peace. God bless you, New Life Church. You are dismissed. And by the way, 10 minutes early, by the way, so if you're heading to Denny's, you can get there before everyone else today. Congratulations. We'll see you guys next week for Savage Savior.